And the reading this morning is from Matthew 4, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the, the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. All right. Um, again, if, uh, if you just walked in um, or if you're uh, hearing this sermon online, I um, want to just encourage you to, to hear what we just shared, the State of the Church address. Of course, we weren't able to share everything, but again, hopefully you hear um, both a, a massive thank you and praise the Lord for what he's done. Um, it's no small feat, just what he's done in us and through us in a, in a short time as a church. And um, also, um, there's, a, there's an exhortation, an invitation to participate, to press into the work that God has fo- for us up ahead. Um, amen? All right, so again, just so honored to get to, uh, to pastor this, this, uh, this church and get to be a part of God's work here. Um, so now we've got a lot of work to get together um, and walk through his word together in Matthew 4. So if you have a copy of God's word with you, go ahead and turn there if you're not there already. If you don't have a Bible with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you one if you need one. E C Quiere la Biblia en español? Levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene ninguna Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en el libro de Mateo, capítulo 4. Um, again, we, we, uh, this is our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, please keep it, all right? And um, uh, put your name in it and underline things. If you do already have a Bible, just go ahead and um, uh, turn it in the back on your way out. Um, so again, we've got a lot of work here to cover this morning, and um, I'm going to try to get into it pretty quickly, um, and because and, uh, I'm excited for what God has in store for us as he reveals himself through his word um, for us. So let, let me go ahead and just kind of paint the picture of where we're headed before we, we dive into it. And again, this is going to be um, a quick, intentional look at Jesus, all right? And we've been walking through this series, Love Walked Among Us. And, and um, I'm just going to give the punchline, if you will, on the front end. Um, and then I will again at the end. But I, I don't want us to miss this, all right? So in case we would miss this, um, what we're looking at right now is we look at Jesus's temptation and his interaction with Satan is um, often communicated and understood as the blueprint, right? God's the architect, and then we get a little example. We get the blueprint of how to fight temptation, and we look at Jesus, and we try to be like Jesus, and then we struggle, and we are frustrated, and ultimately we fail. Well, as has been said, um, Jesus is both the architect and the contractor, All right, so as we look at this, as we zone in, what we see here is a battle for humanity. It's a battle for what it means to actually, truly be human. Okay, and so what we'll see here is we see Satan tempting Jesus with the story of this world. 
or the story, if, you, if you're new to Christianity, basically beginning in Genesis 3, which is where sin enters into the world. Sin, in a nutshell, is not God. Sin is my relationship with God, with myself, with the world around me, with others, is, 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 is broken and distorted and, and separated from God and his character and his plans and intention and design. And so the world that we live in, I was just in a conversation this morning, if you consider um, like a track, right? Like a roller coaster or a train track. And then once sin entered into the world, it, it diverted. And everything we know is on that track that's been affected and infected by sin. Well, the language in scripture that perhaps we're not as familiar with, but we need to get more familiar with, is one of story. And the idea is we are right now living in the story of the kingdom of this world. The story that has been affected and defined by sin by brokenness, and that we have a distorted understanding of humanity. We have a distorted understanding of the good life. We have a distorted understanding of what it means to have our needs met and to live in the world, um, uh, and we, we, we live for ourselves. And so what we see in Jesus is Jesus entering into the story, but then faithfully paving the way for what it means to be fully human. And as we look at this, again, we don't just see, oh, try to be more like Jesus. We see Jesus doing what we could have never done on our own. And so as we'll walk through this, we'll see it broken down into three ways. We see Jesus um, choosing and establishing contentment over gratification. And then Jesus choosing trust over a distorted understanding of safety. And then we see Jesus choosing worship over a distorted view of fame. All right, so let me pray and ask the Lord to lead us through this time in his word together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will make much of Jesus in this time. Um, Lord, I pray that in the end of this sermon, we will see ourselves more clearly as we see Jesus more clearly. Lord, Lord, I pray that you would turn our eyes away from um, looking at ourselves and understanding ourselves only through the broken narrative of the world around us and what it means to be human, Lord, to be, to be gratified, to be safe, to have fame and, and adoration from others. And Lord, everything that, that we understand is, lives in, along those tracks uh, along that story. And Lord, I pray that you would free us from a distorted understanding of what it means to be human. And Lord, that we would be um, restored as your people as we see Jesus. In his glorious name we pray. Amen. So again, this is um, the, the story. Let me just, let's just read together in verses one and two. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, he was hungry, right? That's like, that should be, that should be one of the great, like, no-duh moments in Scripture. But even the fact that we don't recognize that reveals something broken, probably, in how we tend to read the Scriptures. We think, well, yeah, Jesus is Jesus. He gets his own category, his own, you know. He's, he's probably not even that hungry. He's God. And as we read through these temptations in ways that Satan tempted him, we think, well, he pulled the God card. 
But that's not the case. Jesus is, yes, fully God. But when he took on flesh and entered into, again, the story of what it means to be human, he's fully human. He's starving. Imagine, he has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert in solitude. I tried that one time and didn't make it. Um, I, I, uh, and I don't even need to talk about that much more. But just like a day in, I remember being like, there's got to be a typo in there. There's no way. Like just, it's, he's starving, right? And, and, and so we don't have time to unpack all of this together, but this is loaded with Old Testament imagery, all right? That this whole story here is, is Jesus is, is walking through and, and, and we can remember back to Adam and Eve and their temptation and how they were tempted with these same things and they failed and yet Jesus succeeds. And then further, a, a Jewish audience would read this and would be understanding the, the Exodus narrative, right? The story of God's people um, and, and how they were led through the wilderness and they were tempted and they were not faithful. And yet in, in contrast here, Jesus is in the wilderness and remains faithful. And so as we read through this, we see, again, Jesus um, in his faithfulness and fully God, but again, fully man. Faithfully paving the way for what it truly means to be fully human. And so first we see that in verses one through four, where Jesus chooses contentment over gratification. Picking up in verse three. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, okay? Jesus has just been um, declared as the son of God. And so Satan comes in and is questioning his identity. All right, hear me. Sin and attack on what it means to follow uh, God, to be a Christian, to follow Jesus, to be an image bearer of God always is an attack on your identity, Okay, hear me, sin is not just what you do. It always gets deeper to who you are, right? And so Satan says, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Again here, Jesus is fully God and fully human. And he's, he's hungry. And God provides, right? Jesus and Satan would know the Old Testament deeply and would know that there are passages upon passages about God's provision for his people. And so Satan uses one of those passages and as he does each time here, he distorts it and he takes it out of context and he questions God's faithfulness and God's provision. And he says, hey, if, God, if you're really the son of God, surely God doesn't want you you to be hungry, right? You have needs, so meet those needs. And again, the world that we live in, the story that we've grown so accustomed to about what it means to be human, hear me now, especially in our context. In 2019, Tucson, Arizona, right? As I said, I was just in Nigeria and I got to experience um, some culture shock. And largely, as is often the case, what it did is it revealed things that I take for granted. It revealed idols in my own heart that I've grown so used to that I just continue to live with. And God taking me out of uh, my context revealed some of those things in my own heart. Um, A kind of cultural commentator, Mark Sayers, he's also a 
pastor in Australia. Um, he, he talks about that, that we all have um, three needs, and those needs are freedoms, um, purpose, and community. And then he talks about us in the West, or in more of the kind of first world, um, we lack community and purpose, but we have um, like a gluttonous provision of freedoms. All right? Other parts of the world are lacking in freedom and perhaps have more community, more understanding of purpose and legacy. But again, for us, right, we need to know our own context. We have freedom and we grow so used to, we have an entitlement where we just have all these freedoms at our disposal and we read something like this and say, hey, you're hungry? Swing, swing through, through the drive-thru, right? Like you have a need and this church meets half that need and this other church meets half that need, just do it, right? Like you can have it your way, just do it. Like whatever it is, and we are so used to our freedoms and we don't understand, God, how, how do you um, call me to use what you've entrusted to me for your glory and for others' good? So I just wanna challenge you and ask you to consider what are the freedoms God has given you that he's calling you to hold more open-handedly, right? Time, treasure, talents, um, your, your phone, right? Your, your, all the freedoms that you and I have. And, and again, compared to the rest of the world, they're in abundance. So what does it look like to walk with contentment? Jesus understands what it means to be fully human. And he says, no, I, I am ultimately content in, in, in finding all things in my relationship with the Father. And that's a strength. And as Satan often does, he attacks our strengths. So he goes on in this next, and he calls Jesus out. And then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the Son of God, again, right? Questioning his identity. If you're truly the Son of God, Right? Hey, I see you have faith, Jesus. I see you have trust. I see you're content. I see you're faithful. Well, if you're really faithful, let's really put this to the test. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again here, Satan sees a strength of Jesus. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is trusting. Jesus doesn't give in to the temptation to just um, turn this rock into bread. He's faithful. So Satan, as he often does now, latches onto that. And he says, okay, let's really challenge that and test that. And so he says, hey, if you're really faithful, then prove it. All right? And, and throw yourself off here and, 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 and God will save you. But hear me, as is often the case here, Jesus knows the full story. Satan uses a couple of verses out of context to challenge where Jesus is strong. And yet Jesus, because he knows the full narrative of the scripture, because he knows what it means to be, um, to be fully human, because he knows the whole counsel, the whole plan of God, he sees the scheme, he sees the temptation for what it is, and he remains faithful. And again, he chooses trust over safety. 
Because as we'll see here in this next section, we see again here though, right? This is a temptation for Jesus to avoid suffering. And Jesus knows that if he doesn't follow the path that he has been sent to follow, that leads to the cross, right? A seemingly and an actually unsafe place for him to go, right? Then his kingdom will not fully come to fruition, all right? That's not safe. And everyone, right, wise counsel would say, Jesus, it's not safe. Like, don't go that route. Um, take, Take the safer route. But Jesus chooses trust. Jesus chooses to, to understand that, that, that the Father has a perfect plan. And though we see even in Jesus' night, his agony in the garden, it's not because he just pulls the God card and somehow it's easy. He knows it's going to be difficult, even to the point of, of sweating blood. And yet he chooses trust over a distorted understanding of safety. All right, and again, I think this is something that in our cultural context we need to be honest about. We need to recognize we, we use conventional wisdom sometimes all too conveniently. And God is calling us to be faithful and to trust in him. And we talk ourselves out of it because it's not safe. All right, what, what came to mind for me as I read through this is a friend of mine who um, was in the Middle East, actually is still in the Middle East. And um, he lost a child due to a, a, a suicide bone Palmer. And they were in an apparently safe city where these kind of things didn't happen. And yet, right, so they had family members and other people saying, hey, you shouldn't be there. And then they were able to say, well, we're in a safer part, right? These things don't tend to happen here. Well, it did end up happening there. And they lost their child to a, a, a suicide bomber, to an attack. And, 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 um, and they were devastated, And less than a month after this event, my wife and I, who we knew knew them, we got to be somewhere and we got to hear them interviewed in front of a bunch of people. And again, they're not hiding their emotions. They're not pretending it's easy. They're not throwing little Band-Aid passages to make themselves feel better and stuff. They're calling it for what it is. This is evil. This is difficult. Um, we, We are broken. We will never recover from this and be as we were. And yet when asked, because they planned on going back, and again, they're still there to this day, when they were, they were, they said, isn't it safe? And I'll never forget this guy, this dad, who had three other kids and had just lost one of his children. He said, you know, I just believe it to be true that the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And so we know that wherever we are geographically, that remains the case And God continues to burden our hearts and to call us. And they even walked through. They said, our community is there. The people who know how to comfort us, who know how to come alongside us is there. Yet again, our context, everyone is saying, that's not safe. That's not wise. And yet again, to be fully human doesn't mean to, to be in the driver's seat where we define how life ought to look. There's a sense of surrender and trust over a distorted understanding of safety. And then finally, Jesus chooses faithfulness over security and then worship over fame. Let's read in uh, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
Okay, again, when you tend to read this, do you struggle to think of this as like, well, that's kind of easy, right? Jesus is Jesus. Who is Satan? Well, let me just be clear here. This is not an empty offer. All right, Satan is the prince of the kingdom of this world. And imagine like in our day, it's as though he took him to the, like the, 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 Capitol Mall in Washington, D.C., and simultaneously Carnegie Hall and Madison Square Garden and, um, you know, the U of A football stadium, right? Wherever it is, well, let's say the basketball, not McHale right now, but, you know, somewhere else that, that, would, that would just be the center of glory, right? We're, we got the, what's, Golden uh, Globes, are those tonight? Or Oscars, there it is. It's all the same to me. All right, but... um. All right, so we got the Oscars. Um, all I know is if Black Panther doesn't win, I'm going to boycott, right? A- anyone with me? So, yes, amen. Wakanda forever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just got to spend 10 days in Nigeria. And um, so, anyway, I, I digress. We got to get back to this. But, um, right, but, but wherever it is, the pinnacle of glory, this is an offer that Satan could follow through on. Because it's all at his disposal. Again, according to the story and the narrative that we're used to. Glory as we understand it. But Jesus understands it's a short-lived glory. What Satan is offering Jesus, and hear me, by default now you and I today, is the kingdom without the cross. And though that would have been a less painful and, and, and quicker um, experience to what Jesus came for, he understands, no, that's not the way of God. That's not what it means to be fully God and fully man. That, that the path of humanity that Jesus came to pave the way for and to usher in so you and I could participate in it is, is, is a greater glory that you and I get to be a part of for all eternity that meant Jesus had to go to the cross and that Jesus could not take the shortcut to fame and adoration that Satan could provide. Instead, Jesus went to the cross and to death and then from there and only through that path to resurrection and to the day that we look ahead to in Revelation where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. All right, and now hear this. If Jesus would have accepted the offer of the kingdom without the cross, he would have avoided suffering for himself, but not for you and me we would have all been condemned to an eternity of shame, of separation from our creator, of, of brokenness, of pain, of suffering. And so Jesus, seeing the bigger picture, chose to take suffering upon himself, to take the form of a servant, to forsake short-lived fame in order to worship and embrace the plan of the Father for him to usher in his kingdom through death and resurrection so that through faith in him, you and I can participate in his glory forever. So again, as we close here, the big picture needs to be this. Not what would Jesus do. Not 
oh, I know how to fight temptation, memorize a couple of verses that in the moment I can fight this temptation, just like Jesus did. Now, is memorizing Scripture good? Yes. But even more important than that is knowing the whole story, is understanding that Jesus is the hero, that Jesus is not only the architect who offers the blueprint, but he's also the contractor who built the way for you and I to now experience what it means to be fully human. So our first action point is simply find yourself in Christ. Put your faith in Christ. As we respond and close, it's to, it's to recognize that Jesus did what you and I could never do. It's when you and I are tempted to live out of a distorted story. We don't just grit our teeth and try harder and pretend like we're being good little Christian soldiers. It means we hold our hands up. That's what I think of when we worship. It's surrender. It's recognition. It's adoration. Jesus, you have done what I could never do. And now through you, through the path that you chose to take, through death and resurrection, I now get to be fully human. I now get to choose contentment over instant gratification. I now get to see the goodness in embracing trust over my distorted view of safety. I now get to rejoice in the idea of choosing worship over a distorted view of fame and glory. Again, Jesus paves the way for you and me to experience what it means to be fully human. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, we confess, and I pray that even now through your spirit, you would reveal to us ways that we are living a distorted understanding of humanity. Lord, where we, str we, we struggle because we're so tempted with instant gratification. We struggle because um, our version of safety is so tempting and because our need, our, our lust, our hunger for um, instant gratification and approval and fame is all around us. Lord, I pray that we would see the glory of Jesus. Lord, that we would see your provision. Lord, that through faith in him, through finding ourselves in him, through repenting and embracing and, and, and finding wholeness and truth in, in Jesus, making us not less human but more human by surrendering to you. So now I pray that through your spirit you would lead us to respond in repentance and in rejoicing. In Jesus' name, amen.